chapter fifteen part two of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen apparently heedless of the various remarks which reached their ears our strangers after they had from their station sufficiently surveyed the beauties of the ball strolled arm in arm through the rooms having sauntered through the ball and card rooms they passed the door that led to the entrance passage and gazed with other loiterers upon the newcomers ascending the stairs here the two younger strangers renewed their whispered conversation while the eldest who was also the tallest one carelessly leaning against the wall employed himself for a few moments in thrusting his fingers through his hair in finishing this occupation the peculiar state of his rules forced itself upon the observation of our gentleman who after gazing for some moments on an envious rent in the right ruffle muttered some indistinct words like the cock of that confounded pistol and then tucked up the mutilated ornament with a peculiarly nimble motion of the fingers of his left hand the next moment diverted by a new care the stranger applied his digital members to the arranging and caressing of a remarkably splendid brooch set in the bosom of a shirt the rude texture of which formed a singular contrast with the magnificence of the embellishment and the fineness of the one ruffle suffered by our modern hyperion to make its appearance beneath his cinnamon-coloured coat-sleeve these little personal arrangements completed and a dazzling snuff-box released from the confinement of a side-pocket tapped thrice enlightened of two pinches of its titillating luxury the stranger now with the guardian eye of friendship directed a searching glance to the dress of his friends there all appeared meet for his strictest scrutiny save indeed that the supercilious-looking stranger having just drawn forth his gloves the lining of his coat-pocket which was rather soiled into the bargain had not returned to its internal station the tall stranger seeing this little inelegance kindly thrust three fingers with a sudden and light dive into his friend's pocket and effectually repulsed the forwardness of the intrusive lining the supercilious stranger no sooner felt the touch than he started back and whispered to his officious companion what among friends ned fie now curb the nature of thee for one night at least before he of the flowing locks had time to answer the master of the ceremonies who had for the last three minutes been eyeing the strangers through his glass stepped forward with a sliding bow and the handsome gentleman taking upon himself the superiority and precedence over his comrades was the first to return the courtesy he did this with so good a grace and so pleasing an expression of countenance that the censor of bows was charmed at once and with a second and more profound salutation announced himself and his office you would like to dance probably gentlemen he asked glancing at each but directing his words to the one 
who had prepossessed him you are very good said the comely stranger and for my part i shall be extremely indebted to you for the exercise of your powers in my behalf allow me to return with you to the ball-room and i can there point out to you the objects of my especial admiration the master of the ceremonies bowed as before and he and his new acquaintance strolled into the ball-room followed by the two comrades of the latter have you been long in bath sir inquired the monarch of the rooms no indeed we only arrived this evening from london no we made a little tour across the country ah very pleasant this fine weather yes especially in the evenings oh ho romantic thought the man of balls as he rejoined aloud why the nights are agreeable and the moon is particularly favourable to us not always quoth the stranger true true the night before last was dark but in general surely the moon has been very bright the stranger was about to answer but checked himself and simply bowed his head as in assent i wonder who they are thought the master of the ceremonies pray sir said he in a low tone is that gentleman that tall gentleman any way related to lord you know who i cannot but think i see a family likeness not in the least related to his lordship answered the stranger but he is of a family that have made a noise in the world though he as well as my other friend is merely a commoner laying a stress on the last word nothing sir can be more respectable than a commoner of family returned the polite mr so-and-so with a bow i agree with you sir answered the stranger with another but heavens and the stranger started for at that moment his eye caught for the first time at the far end of the room the youthful and brilliant countenance of lucy brandon do i see rightly or is that miss brandon it is indeed that lovely young lady said mr so-and-so i congratulate you on knowing one so admired i suppose that you being blessed with her acquaintance do not need the formality of my introduction humph said the stranger rather shortly and uncourteously no perhaps you had better present me by what name shall i have that honour sir discreetly inquired the nomenclator clifford answered the stranger captain clifford upon this the prim master of the ceremonies threading his path through the now fast-filling room approached towards lucy to obey mr clifford's request meanwhile that gentleman before he followed the steps of the tutelary spirit of the place paused and said to his friends in a tone careless yet not without command hark ye gentlemen oblige me by being as civil and silent as ye are able and don't thrust yourselves upon me as you are accustomed to do whenever you see no opportunity of indulging me with that honour with the least show of propriety so saying and waiting no reply mr clifford hastened after the master of the ceremonies our friend grows mighty imperious said long ned whom our readers have already recognised in the tall stranger tis the way with your rising geniuses answered the moralising augustus tomlinson suppose we go to the card-room and get up a rubber well thought of said ned yawning a thing he was very apt to do in society and i wish nothing worse to those who try our rubbers than that they may be well cleaned by them 
upon this witticism the colossus of rhodes glancing towards the glass strutted off arm in arm with his companion to the card-room during this short conversation the reintroduction of mr clifford the stranger of the rectory and deliverer of dr slopperton to lucy brandon had been effected and the hand of the heiress was already engaged according to the custom of that time for the two ensuing dances it was about twenty minutes after the above presentation had taken place that lord malevra and william brandon entered the rooms and the buzz created by the appearance of the noted peer and the distinguished lawyer had scarcely subsided before the royal personage expected to grace the festive scene as the newspaper say of a great room with plenty of miserable-looking people in it arrived the most attractive persons in europe may be found among the royal family of england and the great personage then at bath in consequence of certain political intrigues wished at that time especially to make himself as popular as possible having gone the round of the old ladies and assured them as the court journal assures the old ladies at this day that they were morning stars and swan-like wonders the prince espied brandon and immediately beckoned to him with a familiar gesture the smooth but saturnine lawyer approached the royal presence with the manner that peculiarly distinguished him and which blended in no ungraceful mixture a species of stiffness that passed with the crowd for native independence with a supple insinuation that was usually deemed the token of latent benevolence of heart there was something indeed in brandon's address that always pleased the great and they liked him the better because though he stood on no idle political points mere differences in the view taken of a hair-breadth such as a corn law or a catholic bill alteration in the church or a reform in parliament yet he invariably talked so like a man of honour except when with malevolent that his urbanity seemed attachment to individuals and his concessions to power sacrifices of private opinion for the sake of obliging his friends i am very glad indeed said the royal personage to see mr brandon looking so much better never was the crown in greater want of his services and if rumours speak true they will soon be required in another department of his profession brandon bowed and answered so please your royal highness they will always be at the command of a king from whom i have experienced such kindness in any capacity for which his majesty may deem them fitting it is true then said his royal highness significantly i congratulate you the quiet dignity of the bench must seem to you a great change after a career so busy and restless i fear i shall feel it so at first your royal highness answered brandon for i like even the toil of my profession and at this moment when i am in full practice it more than ever but checking himself at once his majesty's wishes and my satisfaction in complying with them are more than sufficient to remove any momentary regret i might otherwise have felt in quitting those toils which have now become to me a second nature it is possible rejoined the prince that his majesty took into consideration the delicate state of health which in common with the whole public i grieve to see the papers have attributed to one of the most distinguished ornaments of the bar 
so please your royal highness answered brandon coolly and with a smile which the most piercing eye could not have believed the mask to the agony then gnawing at his nerves it is the interest of my rivals to exaggerate the little ailments of a weak constitution i thank providence that i am now entirely recovered and at no time of my life have i been less unable to discharge so far as my native and mental incapacities will allow the duties of any occupation however arduous nay as the brute grows accustomed to the mill so i have grown wedded to business and even the brief relaxation i have now allowed myself seems to me rather irksome than pleasurable i rejoice to hear you speak thus answered his royal highness warmly and i trust for many years and added he in a lower tone in the highest chamber of the senate that we may profit by your talents the times are those in which many occasions occur that oblige all true friends of the constitution to quit minor employment for that great constitutional one that concerns us all the highest and the meanest and the royal voice sank still lower i feel justified in assuring you that the office of chief justice alone is not considered by his majesty as a sufficient reward for your generous sacrifice of present ambition to the difficulties of government brandon's proud heart swelled and that moment the various pains of hell would scarcely have been felt while the aspiring schemer was thus agreeably engaged malevolor sliding through the crowd with that grace which charmed every one old and young and addressing to all he knew some lively or affectionate remark made his way to the dancers among whom he had just caught a glimpse of lucy i wonder he thought whom she is dancing with i hope it is that ridiculous fellow Massop, who tells a good story against himself or that handsome ass belmont who looks at his own legs instead of seeming to have eyes for no one but his partner ah if tarquin had but known women as well as i do he would have had no reason to be rough with lucretia tis a thousand pities that experience comes in women as in the world just when it begins to be no longer of use to us as he made these moral reflections malevolor gained the dancers and beheld lucy listening with downcast eyes and cheeks that evidently blushed to a young man whom malevolor acknowledged at once to be one of the best-looking fellows he had ever seen the stranger's countenance despite an extreme darkness of complexion was to be sure from the great regularity of the features rather effeminate but on the other hand his figure though slender and graceful betrayed to an experienced eye an extraordinary proportion of sinew and muscle and even the dash of effeminacy in the countenance was accompanied by so manly and frank an air and was so perfectly free from all coxcombry or self-conceit that it did not in the least decrease the prepossessing effect of his appearance an angry and bitter pang shot across that portion of malevolor's frame which the earl thought fit for want of another name to call his heart how cursedly pleased she looks muttered he by heaven that stolen glance under the left eyelid dropped as suddenly as it is raised and he ha how firmly he holds that little hand i think i see him paddle with it and then the dog's earnest intent look and she all blushes though she dare not look up to meet his gaze feeling it by intuition 
oh the demure modest shamefaced hypocrite how silent she is she can prate enough to me i would give my promised garter if she would but talk to him talk talk laugh prattle only simper in god's name and i shall be happy but that bashful blushing silence it is insupportable thank heaven the dance is over thank heaven again i have not felt such pain since the last nightmare i had after dining with her father with a face all smiles but with a mien in which more dignity than he ordinarily assumed was worn malever now moved towards lucy who was leaning on her partner's arm the earl who had ample tact where his consummate selfishness did not warp it knew well how to act the lover without running ridiculously into the folly of seeming to play the hoary dangler he sought rather to be lively than sentimental and beneath the wit to conceal the suitor having paid then with a careless gallantry his first compliments he entered into so animated a conversation interspersed with so many naive yet palpably just observations on the characters present that perhaps he had never appeared to more brilliant advantage at length as the music was about to recommence malevra with a careless glance at lucy's partner said will miss brandon now allow me the agreeable duty of conducting her to her father i believe answered lucy and her voice suddenly became timid that according to the laws of the rooms i am engaged to this gentleman for another dance clifford in an assured and easy tone replied in assent as he spoke malever honoured him with a more accurate survey than he had hitherto bestowed on him and whether or not there was any expression of contempt or superciliousness in the survey it was sufficient to call up the indignant blood to clifford's cheek returning the look with interest he said to lucy i believe miss brandon that the dance is about to begin and lucy obeying the hint left the aristocratic malevolent to his own meditations at that moment the master of the ceremonies came bowing by half afraid to address so great a person as malevolent but willing to show his respect by the profoundness of his salutation aha my dear mr you know said the earl holding out both his hands to the lysurgus of the rooms how are you pray can you inform me who that young man is now dancing with miss brandon it is let me see oh it is a captain clifford my lord a very fine young man my lord has your lordship never met him never who is he one under your more especial patronage said the earl smiling nay indeed answered the master of the ceremonies with a simper of gratification i scarcely know who he is yet the captain only made his appearance here to-night for the first time he came with two other gentlemen ah there they are and he pointed the earl's scrutinizing attention to the elegant forms of mr augustus tomlinson and mr ned pepper just emerging from the card-rooms the swagger of the latter gentleman was so peculiarly important that malever angry as he was could scarcely help laughing the master of the ceremonies noted the earl's countenance and remarked that that fine-looking man seemed disposed to give himself airs judging from the gentleman's appearance said the earl dryly ned's face to say truth did betoken his affection for the bottle i should imagine that he was much more accustomed to give himself thorough draughts ah renewed the arbiter elegantiarum 
who had not heard malevola's observation which was uttered in a very low voice ah they seem real dashers dashers repeated malevola true haberdashers long ned now having in the way of his profession acquitted himself tolerably well at the card-table thought he had purchased the right to parade himself through the rooms and show the ladies what stuff a pepper could be made of leaning with his left hand on tomlinson's arm and employing the right in fanning himself furiously with his huge chapeau bras the lengthy adventurer stalked slowly along now setting out one leg jauntily now the other and ogling the ladies with a kind of irish look namely a look between a wink and a stare released from the presence of clifford who kept a certain check on his companions the apparition of ned became glaringly conspicuous and wherever he passed a universal whisper succeeded who can he be said the widow mate more tis a droll creature but what a head of hair for my part answered the spinster sneerall i think he is a linen-draper in disguise for i heard him talk to his companion of tape well well thought malever it would be but kind to seek out brandon and hint to him in what company his niece seems to have fallen and so thinking he glided to the corner where with a grey-headed old politician the astute lawyer was conning the affairs of europe in the interim the second dance had ended and clifford was conducting lucy to her seat each charmed with the other when he found himself abruptly tapped on the back and turning round in alarm for such taps were not unfamiliar to him he saw the cool countenance of long ned with one finger sagaciously laid beside the nose how now said clifford between his ground teeth did i not tell thee to put that huge bulk of thine as far from me as possible humph grunted ned if these are my thanks i may as well keep my kindness to myself but know you my kid that lawyer brandon is here peering through the crowd at this very moment in order to catch a glimpse of that woman's face of thine ha answered clifford in a very quick tone begone then i will meet you without the rooms immediately clifford now turned to his partner and bowing very low in reality to hide his face from those sharp eyes which had once seen it in the court of justice burnflat said i trust madame i shall have the honour to meet you again is it if i may be allowed to ask with your celebrated uncle that you are staying or with my father answered lucy concluding the sentence clifford had left unfinished but my uncle has been with us though i fear he leaves us to-morrow clifford's eyes sparkled he made no answer but bowing again receded into the crowd and disappeared several times that night did the brightest eyes in somersetshire rove anxiously round the rooms in search of our hero but he was seen no more it was on the stairs that clifford encountered his comrades taking an arm of each he gained the door without any adventure worth noting save that being kept back by the crowd for a few moments the moralizing augustus tomlinson who honoured the moderate whigs by enrolling himself among their number took up poor passe le temps a tall gold-headed cane and weighing it across his finger with a musing air said alas among our supporters we often meet heads as heavy but of what a different metal the crowd now permitting augustus was walking away with his companions and in that absence of mind characteristic of philosophers unconsciously bearing with him the gold-headed object of his reflection when a stately footman stepping up to him said sir my cane cane fellow said tomlinson ah 
i am so absent here is thy cane only think of my carrying off the man's cane ned ha ha absent indeed grunted a knowing chairman watching the receding figures of the three gentlemen body o me but it was the cane that was about to be absent End of chapter fifteen part two